Hello, market meditators, and welcome to your daily market briefing. Short, snappy, no BS, 10-minute daily updates about the crypto markets. Delivered to you by me, Kin. There is a certain word that's been thrown around way too much in the crypto markets these days. In today's call, I'm going to tell you what that word, which relates to a particular event or outcome, is, and I'm going to tell you what it is that everyone is so scared of. After we've discussed exactly what that event is and why it's so important right now, I'm also going to give you three guiding principles with regards to that event, which will help you navigate the crypto markets in general for the rest of your life, but in particular for the next few months. That's when these three guiding principles are going to be especially important and helpful for you. If you are a regular listener, you know the deal. Before we get to that point in the call, we're going to go over the charts of the day, BTC, ETH, altcoins, and we're going to go over the top headlines in the crypto news today. It is so important to go over the headlines daily because there's always opportunities, risks, and important events that we need to be kept up to date with, regardless of what the charts are saying. Don't let them distract you from the all-important news of the day. Okay, diving straight in then. Bitcoin and Ether took quite different paths on Monday. Looking at the BTC one day chart, we can see BTC declined on Monday. And actually, we'll see in a moment that Ethereum went a bit higher on Monday. With regards to BTC, certainly the important event will be the FOMC meeting tomorrow. Likely we'll see prices in a bit of a standstill until the FOMC meeting. And based on the outcome of that meeting, we might see some volatility. I'll give you a quick heads up about what is anticipated at the FOMC meeting and how it might impact you. First and foremost, it is on Wednesday in about one day and seven hours. The FOMC meeting is where members of the Federal Open Market Committee gather around and discuss about the monetary policy that they're going to implement in a given time period. The current anticipation of the meeting is that we're either going to see a 75 basis point or 100 basis point interest rate hike. 75 basis point looking a lot more likely at 80%. As time has gone on, the likelihood of an aggressive hike has gotten more and more and we have landed at that 75 basis point scenario rather than the possible more gentle 50 basis point scenario. 80% is a strong probability. If this does materialize, it's unlikely we'll see too much volatility unless, of course, in their statement, they verbally say something that causes nervousness in the market. So that can happen as well. If 100 basis point materializes, this will cause a lot of volatility. That is a full 1%. And bear in mind that rates have not increased by a full 1% in over 40 years. So it will be very unprecedented and very extreme. Definitely not what we want to see for the crypto markets. Never forget, Bitcoin, crypto, risk assets do well in a risk-on environment. Higher interest rates do not create a risk-on environment. Ethereum currently trading around 1.3k, up a modest 4% on the 24-hour. Coindesk has recently reported on an interesting city report that discusses some of the merge implications. The Ethereum merge has been completed and despite high anticipation around the transition, volatility remains subdued, City said in a research report on Friday. This is actually an interesting point. It was a very likely scenario that Ethereum saw a massive price hit after the merge and we should be thankful that that did not materialize. 
City has also said that Ether has become a yield-bearing asset following the removal of mining, with current staking yield about 4.5%. This yield is higher than some traditional financial instruments as well, it has said. This is quite useful for putting a literal value or incentive on Ethereum. Next point is very important. The merge sets the stage for large-scale scalability improvements, but gas fees are driven by network activity. Meaningful scaling will likely come as a result of the surge, the next planned upgrade, which could be introduced next year. Remember, the merge is not the final step on the Ethereum blockchain's network upgrades. There are, in fact, five stages, and the next stages are especially important too. Taking a look at the biggest movers in the altcoin markets by 24 hours, we can see that XRP has done well. This is due to a headline, which I'll cover in a minute. Algo has also done quite well. And notably, Solana has also done well. In fact, not many of the major altcoins have found the day deeply in the red on the 24 hour. That is the charts done. Time to move on to the top headlines in the news. And remember, after that, we're going to go into that big event that everyone is worried about and three guiding principles that will help you navigate the event. Headline number one, where on earth is Do Kwan? He has been notably silent since the all-important collapse of the terror ecosystem. And of course, recently, South Korean prosecutors have asked Interpol to issue a red notice for Do Kwan. And also, there is, of course, the discussions of his arrest. In a thread a few days ago, Do Kwan took to Twitter to explain that he is being highly collaborative and that he is not on the run or anything similar. The reason some people think he might be on the run is possibly to take advantage of some extradition complications. Extradition is an action wherein one jurisdiction delivers a person accused or convicted of committing a crime in another jurisdiction over to the other's law enforcement. In this scenario, if South Korea has issued an arrest warrant for Do Kwan, if he is found in another country, he would be sent back to South Korea, where that jurisdiction will act according to their own protocols and rules. Worth noting that even if Kwan is in a country that doesn't have a formal extradition treaty with South Korea, extradition is possible based on a guarantee of reciprocity from the requesting state that it will accept extradition requests from Korea for identical or similar offenses. So even if it's not a country that does extradition, they might do a swap. So story to watch, but things are not looking good for Do Kwan and therefore the ecosystems and projects that he is involved in. Next up, we look at why XRP might have made it into some of the biggest altcoin winners of the 24 hours. The US SEC and Ripple Labs each won a federal judge to rule either that the crypto company affiliated with the XRP cryptocurrency violated federal security laws or otherwise dismissed the lawsuit without requiring a lengthy trial. The SEC and Ripple both filed motions for summary judgment in the Southern District of New York asking District Judge Annalisa Torres to make a ruling based on the arguments filed and accompanying documents. The documents were posted to a federal court database Friday. At this point, the XRP saga seems like a story as old as time. Remember that the SAC sued Ripple Lab CEO Brad Glaringhouse and Chairman Chris Larson back in December 2020, a day before the SEC chair actually stepped down from the role, on allegations that it had raised over $1.3 billion by selling XRP in unregistered security transactions. 
Ripple maintained that XRP sales and trading did not meet the tenets of the Howey test, a US Supreme Court case that has acted as a way to basically determine whether something is a security for the last several decades. Of course, if something is classified as a security in the US, it will be under the jurisdiction of the US SAC to regulate. This story has been going on and on for a very long time, and certainly the XRP community will be happy to see some sort of conclusive action or decision made here. Speaking of the SEC, the chairman Gary Gensler said today that proof-of-stake cryptocurrencies could be securities, according to a report in the Wall Street Journal. Uh, this is a live story, we'll keep an eye on it, there might be more updates on this in some of the coming calls. Just two headlines remain until we get into that big event or scenario that everyone in the markets is nervous about and what you can do to prepare yourself for it. Well, three things you can do. Voyager seeks to unwind an Alameda loan. Alameda owes Voyager approximately $200 million in an outstanding crypto loan from a line of credit that was worth $377 million before the market downturn. In July, Alameda tweeted that it's happy to return the Voyager loan and get back their collateral whenever works for Voyager. Finance CEO CZ has previously tweeted that the complex relationship between all of the firms is hard to follow. Final update then. Some listeners may remember that in April 2022, Rary Capital and Faye Protocol were victims of a hack which saw over $80 million stolen from individuals and DAOs who were earning yield on the platform. Five months and several rounds of voting and governance proposals later, Tribe now has confirmed that it would finally repay victims of the Rary hack. Perhaps unsurprisingly, over 99% of votes were in favor of full reimbursement according to the on-chain voting platform Tally where the vote took place. Congratulations if you've made it this far into the call because we're about to identify and discuss that event that has the market so worried and the three guiding principles that will help you navigate it. That is right. The event that is causing so much panic in the markets today, its scenario or likelihood has people so worried is in fact recession. I'm going to explain to you what a recession is, why people think it's coming up and three guiding principles if that event does materialize or looks like it's going to materialize. Put very simply, a recession is a significant, widespread, and prolonged downturn in economic activity. A popular rule of thumb is that two consecutive quarters of decline in gross domestic product, for simplicity, think of that as economic output, constitutes a recession. Recessions typically produce declines in economic output, consumer demand, and employment. So not a good scenario that any economy wants to find itself in. So that's what it is. Why does it look like it might be happening? Well, it's a pretty reliable source that's gotten the idea into everyone's heads recently, and that would be the World Bank, who spoke about this topic on Thursday. So, the report reads from the World Bank, As central banks across the world simultaneously hike or increase interest rates in response to inflation, the world may be edging towards a global recession in 2023 and a string of financial crises in emerging market and developing economies that would do them lasting harm. As mentioned, this is according to a comprehensive new study by the World Bank. So there's a lot of mumbo jumbo in there. Let's just take a little bit of a look at it. Interest rate dynamics are not difficult to navigate. Central banks have the tools and skill set to increase or decrease interest rates. If you want to know exactly how they do that, let me know in the comments. I can whip something up for that. When they increase interest rates, which is what they've been doing all throughout this year, and as I told you at the beginning of this call, they're planning to do tomorrow in the next meeting, what this does is increase costs of borrowing, increase mortgage payments, increase returns to saving, and hot money flows. 
What this does is generally create scenarios that limit or contract economic growth. For example, reduced investment, consumption, a fall in house prices, and appreciation in the exchange rate. These factors just mentioned result in lower economic growth and lower inflation. The ideal scenario is that you increase interest rates just enough and at just the right price to slow economic growth when it's necessary because too much growth is bad at a very gradual pace. Unfortunately, this isn't a cooking recipe or an exact science. The Federal Reserve doesn't know exactly how much to increase interest rates at exactly what pace that is ideal. And the fear is they've done it so aggressively and so are so many other countries and central banks like the ECB that they're going to hit us aggressively and we're going to see that significant drop in lower economic activity that constitutes a recession and all the bad economic impacts that come with the recession. So that's what people are worried about. That's why they think a recession may be coming. Now I'll give you the three guiding principles with regards to this topic of recessions. Guiding principle number one, recessions do not happen overnight. Don't buy into FOMO that says a recession is coming, beware the recession is here, etc. It is a prolonged period of economic downturn. That means it is gonna be a gradual process with warning signs along the way. And that brings us to guiding principle number two. There are warning signs for a recession session. In fact, there is a wealth of data points available for fundamental analysts. The list is quite literally endless. We have CPI, we have price indexes, we have speeches from key players, we have home sales, we have the non-farm payrolls. So much information that will give us early clues if a recession is coming. Guiding principle number three uses a very interesting Morgan Stanley report to demonstrate the point. Not all recessions are the same. Aside from the pandemic-induced 2020 recession, other recent recessions have been credit-driven, including the great financial crisis of 2007 to 2008 and the dot-com burst of 2000 to 2001. In those cases, debt-related excesses built up in housing and internet infrastructure, and it took nearly a decade for the economy to absorb them. By contrast, excess liquidity, not debt, is the most likely catalyst for a recession today. In this case, extreme levels of COVID-related fiscal and monetary stimulus pumped money into households and investment markets, contributing to inflation and driving speculation in financial assets. In other words, it looks likely that if it does come to pass, a recession today is likely to be shallower and less damaging to corporate earnings than recent downturns. Ma asalamati, that is goodbye in Arabic.